With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo 5 Mojo 5 We will make America great again. Sam Sorbo. Well, hi there. It's the Sam Sorbo Show. Thanks so much for joining me. We're going to talk about Candace Owens, Cardi B, Jim Biden, even Jen Psaki on the show today. Lots to go through, and I'm trying a new format, so bear with me. Here we go. Um, first of all, before I get into that, I want to talk about herd immunity, uh, because this is pretty incredible, actually. Off the Wall Street Journal, um, I just read this story by a doctor, um, Marty McCary, or Macquarie, believe is a doctor. Yes, Dr. Macri, a professor at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, the Bloomberg School of Public Health and the, Scary, and the Carey School of Business. He's the chief medical advisor to Sesame Care and the author of a book um, called The Price We Pay. And I just want to say, I'm not, on, I'm not on the same side of the argument as the good doctor is. Um, I, I have lots of questions Uh, For instance, why we are wearing masks that clearly state on the box, this does not prevent the transmission of COVID-19. I'm sorry, like what? So, um, but this article caught caught my eye because it talks about herd immunity. Now, this is something that we haven't really been discussing in the public sphere that I've seen. Uh, Talked about it a little bit back in the summer when all the major mandates and the major lockdowns were happening um, and talked a little bit about Sweden and how uh, if Sweden reached herd immunity, um, then they wouldn't see as they, then, then their death rate would stop. I think I covered this on the show, actually Uh, their death rate would, would peak and then it would basically die off. Um, we can't assume that we will ever be rid of COVID-19. We're not rid of the flu. We're not rid of many other bugs that, that are around. Uh, but herd immunity is an interesting concept. And because this guy, well, let me just say this. At the end of the article, he says, um, well, basically he says, hey, you should get the vaccine. The vaccine's very important, and you absolutely should get the vaccine when you can. But he talks in this article about herd immunity. Now, the name of the article is Herd Immunity is Near Despite Fauci's Denial. He, his estimate that it'll take a 70% to 85% vaccination rate ignores those who have already been infected, which is an argument that, frankly, that I've been making Um, Anthony Fauci has been saying that the country needs to vaccinate between 70 and 85% of the population in order to reach herd immunity. And I don't know if you saw, there's a story that, that just, just flitted across my desk out of, I think it was, um, Hawaii that they have three women who have been vaccinated and have now come down with COVID-19, although, um, that has yet to be verified and, and all that. Uh, but the point is that this doctor goes on to say he inexpli- that Fauci inexplic- inexplicably ignores natural immunity. So if you account for previous infections, herd immunity is likely close at hand. That's his whole argument is, you know, we're going off of just vaccinations, but that's disingenuous. 
Wait, what? Fauci is being somehow disingenuous? No, say it isn't so. Come on, folks. He's the guy who said, don't bother wearing masks. And then he excused himself for lying to us because he didn't want healthcare workers to go without masks. There's something off with that. It's just off. Data from the California Department of Public Health released earlier this month show that while only 8.7% of the state's population has ever tested positive for COVID-19, at least 35, 38, sorry, at least 38.5% of the population has antibodies against this coronavirus. So those numbers, um, if you adjust for cases between, those numbers are from January 30th to February 20th, If you adjust for cases between now and then and account for the amount of time it takes for the body to make antibodies, we could estimate that as many as half of Californians have natural immunity today. The same report found that 45% of people in LA had antibodies. Again, the number could only be higher today because it grows with the spread of the infection, unless you want to argue that the infection is not spreading which you don't want to do because that defeats your whole argument about how dangerous this thing is. Between half and two thirds of our population has antibodies in it now due to COVID exposure or vaccination, according to Mayor Eric Garcetti. In fact, he said that on Sunday's uh, program, Face the Nation, which would explain why cases in LA are down 95% in the past 11 weeks. And the positivity rate among those tested now is only 1.7%. So undercounting or removing the many Americans with natural immunity from any tally of herd immunity is a scientific error of omission. When people wonder why President Biden talks about limiting 4th of July gatherings, it's because his most prominent medical advisor has dismissed the contribution of natural immunity, which artificially extends the timeline. So I wanted to point that out. I like the fact that this is a doctor who is, and here's the thing, like, I don't know. You never know with people what they actually believe. Um, I suspect there's a possibility that this guy, uh, because he wants to be taken seriously, put that line in about, hey, everybody should get the, get the vaccine. Um, I suspect. I suspect that's a possibility. I don't know. But, uh, but the fact that he's coming out and at least criticizing part of what's happening in the sense that, hey, we're not paying attention to all of the statistics that we've been given, um, I, I have to say I appreciate that. So thank you to Dr. Marty McCary, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing your name. And that was off the, uh, the Wall Street Journal. So, okay, moving on, Candace Owens and Cardi B are in a big tiff and Candace has now sued Cardi B uh, for, I think for slander, defamation, libel, something like that. And there was an article in the wall street journal that talked about, about this there. So it's a dust up between the two of them. And I, I think you've been seeing that some people are censored and other people are not. And it seems like, they're committing similar offenses, but on different sides of the political aisle. And so the question is whether 
this can go on, whether this is something that can't be adjudicated and resolved one way or the other. So we're talking about uh, Section 230. Confused politicians want to eliminate a provision of a federal law known as Section 230 because they mistakenly believe it has provided Silicon Valley giants with an all-purpose liability shield, but it doesn't protect them from the consequences of misguided decisions to become the new arbiters of America's public discussions. In other words, this uh, Wall Street Journal article is arguing in favor of Section 230, and for some reason, legislators think that it is not necessary. The law allows interactive computer services to make good faith efforts to block obscene, violent, or otherwise objectionable material posted by users without being treated as publishers of all user-generated material and therefore liable for all of the content. The law does not protect these services when they cease being merely communications platform providers and step into the role of publishers. And so the argument is these people ought to be held accountable for every one of their decisions not just a few decisions that they are deciding to make against a few people. And uh, so I'm hoping that that gets resolved eventually because um, we need them to stop playing. We need them to stop playing favorites. In fact, I have another great example of that. So I want to talk about the, the Joe Biden comment about, um, Jim Crow. And I don't know if you heard this. Joe Biden finally had a press conference. And finally, like crazy, finally. And in the press conference, he um, he talked about the new laws that Republicans are trying to implement to prevent voter fraud because mail-in ballots are rife with voter, voter fraud. We saw this in the last election, although you're not allowed to say that there was any voter fraud whatsoever. Uh, but we did. Come on, folks. You you can't have mailed in ballots that have no creases. It, it, that doesn't because they fold in order to mail them in. So. Um, so Joe Biden had his had his uh, press conference. But here's the thing. There's an article on HITC, which is not a site that I'm terribly familiar with. Who is Jim Eagle? Biden's Jim Crow analogy explained. And so you have these outlets that are reinterpreting events and factors with tremendous bias and they, and they are allowed to stand, but the other side, the conservative viewpoint is not, that's the big problem. If we did have freedom of speech across the board, then we would have these providers doing the right thing, but we don't. So Biden used, so, th- so this article goes into this bizarre analogy that Biden used. He said that it makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. And incidentally, I just tweeted about this because for Biden to use Eagle, the, the national symbol of the United States uh, in a pejorative manner shows you really where his loyalties lie. I'm sorry. That just, it offended me. And, and in a weird way, it kind of, it does make Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle because we are 
trying with this legislation to prevent voter fraud and prevent horrible things. And Jim Crow, by the way, was a Democrat law system implemented by Democrats. So I just it's the irony is so rampant through all of this. It's it's crazy. Okay, Biden's a hot topic of conversation because of this. So um, he said it. And and so what did he mean? Who is Jim Eagle? And here's what you need to know. So this is written for third grade level because that's literally that's basically what they're talking to these days. Um, And it explains the it explains the press conference and the fact that he made that that um, comment. And so they, they analyze, they explain the analogy. Okay. Jim Eagle isn't actually a real person. Well, thank you for that. I mean, seriously, Joe, but sadly, this is what I'm sure young people who are unintelligent and misinformed and, and uneducated are reading. Uh, it explains Joe Biden made, made up the name as a play on words using different bird species to get his point across. Duh. A crow is a small bird, whereas an eagle is far bigger and more dangerous. Also the symbol of America. What Biden was trying to say is what the Republicans are trying to do with their voter legislation is huge and far worse than that of the pre-civil rights Jim Crow era. Mind, Mind you, I will remind you, those were Democrat laws, the Jim Crow laws. If you're not familiar with what Jim Crow is, it's a series of laws of course, he doesn't mention that it's Democrat enforced laws that enforce racial segregation in the United States. And then it ends with a, a tweet by some guy I won't mention saying that eagles are larger, more aggressive, more dangerous, and therefore the, um, the analogy made sense. Although he did say at the end, does it resonate? No. Does it make sense? Yes. It doesn't, though. It's, it's actually insulting. Yeah. I'm kind of insulted by it. Well, I'm insulted because the whole thing's a lie. All right. I'm going to switch topics. Um, Yes, we're going to switch topics. And uh, yeah, here we go. We're going to talk about uh, Jen Psaki and the stairs. So this is another Joe Biden story. Boy, you know, this is he's he's in a sense. He's the gift that keeps giving Uh, Jen Psaki refused to deny. So you, you all saw the, that piece of Joe Biden trying to climb the stairs and falling not once, not twice, but three times, right? Pardon me. I'm drinking my tea. (laughs) Jen Psaki, of course, is having press conferences and she is the master of not answering questions, but here's what's amazing She refused to deny on Monday that Joe Biden saw a doctor after falling three times on the stairs as he boarded Air Force One last week. She said this, he's 100% fine. And that was in response to a question of whether he was doing okay. Okay, great. And then she said, I don't know if you've been up those steps. They're a little tricky sometimes, but he's doing great. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Uh, They're tricky. Sure. Then she was asked point blank. Did Biden see a doctor because of his fall? And she said, "Um, I'm not aware of that being required. You're the press secretary. You ought to know these things, by the way. So that's a lie. That's denial of the truth. Of course, she's aware. Of course, she's aware. 
She said, there's, of course, a doctor who travels with the president, any president of the United States, but um, I'm not aware of it needing uh, actual extensive medical attention. When another reporter pressed her to clarify if the answer to the question was no, she said, was it no? Well, I'm not trying to be, there's a doctor who travels with him. He was walking around, as you all saw, by the end of the day. So I'm trying to be completely transparent. Lie. He's absolutely fine, as he was on Friday, was this weekend. He spent the weekend at Camp David. Diffusion, distraction. She's, she's clearly not telling the truth. And that is, in its sense, quite telling. And you can tell she's lying because she's not answering the questions. And she's evading the questions and uh, extensive medical attention. She qualified her answer. And then here's a little secret. When somebody denies something of which they are not accused, it's often because they're guilty. And she said, I'm not trying to evade the question, meaning she's trying to evade the question. So, That's all I'll say about that. All right. Uh, And by the way, I wish Biden well. I hope I I hope he does well. I hope he continues to be the president. I I fear the day that Kamala Harris somehow gets more control. She is a disaster um, and does not belong in where she is. It's quite frightening that she is one step away from the presidency and we have a president who clearly is ailing. And if there's, if there, if for no other proof that this was his first press conference in 65 days, and we are apparently still in the middle of a pandemic that requires mandated lockdowns and face masks and everything else. And this was his first press conference. When you compare that to the former president who held a press conference almost every day for so long and then weekly, uh, yeah, I think that it's evident that, uh, that Biden is struggling. Um, he actually went so far as to say President Harris and I the other day. President Harris and I. I... What do, what do our adversaries on the world stage think of this president? What, you, you have to consider that. We are at an enormous disadvantage because two, two reasons. One, he hates the United States of America. He just took our national symbol and cast it in the same light as the most racist legal system, uh, well, maybe not the most racist legal system, but as a, you know, as a pejorative. Our national symbol he used as a pejorative. So we have a president who's, who's ready to throw America under the bus. And he's ailing. And he's tripping and falling. And he certainly isn't And by the way, his press conference was like a snooze fest because he kept having these, as Tucker Carlson put it, I think uh, he had these pregnant pauses, but he was like, 
a woman in the third trimester, third trimester carrying uh, quad, quintuplets or quadruplets or something like that. So, so what's the hope here? You know, here's the thing. If you want, um, if you need brain surgery, you're going to impose a meritocracy on the candidates to perform the brain surgery. You're going to want the very best brain surgeon. If you're, if you are getting, going through uh, some legal action, you're going to screen the lawyers that you talk to and try to get the very best lawyer who can perform the, and, and, and make your case the strongest case in a court of law so that you don't lose. And when we are in negotiations with foreign countries, we want the best negotiator we can possibly get to represent the United States of America so we don't lose. And here we have Biden and his team. I don't know. Okay. In Colorado, the Ruger did it, apparently. So this is always, you know, the, the big irony with these shootings, which are terrible, terrible things. Granted, nobody wants to, well, nobody on the right, certainly, no conservative wants to see mass shootings. Uh, and yet, every time we have a mass shooting, the left rubs its hands together and says, yay, we can do more, you know. And in fact, somebody pointed out to me the other day, and I don't subscribe to this, but I thought this was fairly interesting. Isn't it odd that whenever we have legislation, uh, gun control legislation sort of being considered, there is a mass shooting. There is an event. Now, there are a couple different ways to answer that. Um, sometimes the mass shooting events are covered really well, like really closely with a lot of fanfare. Sometimes they're covered less well. Uh, sometimes they're hyped a lot. Sometimes they're not. And so we only see the ones that are hyped because those are the ones that get to us, right? They're, those, are the, those are the loud ones. But there are the quiet ones that don't get hyped. So to this person, I said, okay, that's an interesting you know, correlation. Cor- correlation doesn't or, or um, what is, what is the phrase? Coincidence doesn't equal correlation, something like that. Um, so they, they might be coincidental, but they're not necessarily correlated. But the other thing is, it's perhaps because the media is high on the legislation that they are hyping these events more so because of the legislation and not because there's some nefarious player out there who's in, instigating some kind of action that would then, you know, push the legislation. I, I, I don't believe that. That's ridiculous. But this is by Ann Corcoran, who, who is a blogger. She's done amazing work in a couple of different fields. This, this time, her blog is about the, the nefarious characters that we have invited into this country. Um, she says, it, it looks like in less than the, his first 100 days, Biden has an Islamic terrorist attack on his hands, but... You will likely never hear those words uttered. Just a nut with a gun. Move along. Nothing to see. Of course, the week ago, this nut with a gun was a white guy perpetrating a hate crime against Asians. Right. But this week, 
It's a new American. That's what she, that's her term for um, uh, refugees, new Americans, because that's what they, that's the euphemism that the left is using. He's a Syrian Muslim. His innocent victims are all white. In fact, I was going to put the photo up, but I just decided not to. They're all white, redheads, freckled white people, like not all of them, but they're all white. Um, And you likely won't see the phrase hate crime, even though clearly if you can make the one correlation that it was a hate crime against Asians, you could certainly make the correlation that this was a hate crime against white people. Um, And you won't see that outside of conservative media, the Syrian immigrant, just a nut who went over the edge. He was driven there by Islamophobic America. That's the narrative that we, that we began to see. And initially the narrative was he was a white guy, Um, which by the way, like, I hate those terms. I find them so incredibly racist. Uh, Let's talk about his belief system, uh, but let's not, we don't have to talk about skin color, except that the left insists on talking about skin color. And so then we are sort of boxed in, if you will. Um, The Syrian immigrant is, uh, uh, no, she's arguing that they may go one step further to blame it on pent up Trump hatred. So, Uh, She she cites a story at CBS about the slaughter, quoting Biden's reaction, which was, we got them now, go for their guns, and it will take their minds off the invasion at the southern border. Uh, That seems to be an odd sort of, I'm not sure if this copied properly or whatever. Oh, here it is. Um, At the White House, President Biden, this is the article, President Biden said another city has been scarred by gun violence. He called on Congress to pass gun control measures. And the, the caption was just a... A summary of that. I just can't imagine what the families are feeling. The victims whose futures were stolen from them, from their families, from their loved ones, um, who know how, who, who now, it's misprinted, who now have to struggle to go on and try to make sense of what's happened. Well, agreed. Although I don't see what that has to do with gun legislation. Pregnant pause there. Maybe he was a pro-Trump anti-masker. Of course, before the shooter was identified by police, this is according to Eddie Scarry, uh, liberals had been very eager to draw conclusions about him. They were 100% sure he was white, maybe an anti-masker, probably a Trump supporter, right? All of these things. He says, I'm serious. Liberal journalist Kurt Eichenwald mused on Twitter that the details might reveal that the shooting which left 10 people dead was an episode of anti-masker violence. Can you imagine? And then Mina Harris, who is... Vice President Kamala Harris's niece tweeted immediately after the shooting that, quote, violent white men are the greatest terrorist threat to our country. That's a lie from the pit of hell, and they really ought to stop doing that. She should be taken down from Twitter. No. See, that's the problem. She should be if we had a level playing field. But actually, no. The other people who have been taken down for for lesser offenses ought to be reinstated. But will that happen? Probably not. All right. I'm going to pause for a moment, take a a cup of tea, a sip of my tea, and then we will get into uh, some more. Far left Portland mayor blames the right This story 
just blew me away. And it, it's a great follow-up to what I was talking about last week, that the narrative is that both ends of the spectrum, left and right, are violent. And I, I just heartily disagree with that summation. It's, while it is possible that there have been uh, some singular far-right extremists who have gone off the deep edge, and in fact, I did think of one. I tried to think of one last week and I couldn't, uh, but I did think of one. There have been uh, Christ, so-called Christian people who have shot up abortion clinics. Um, that's not what we're talking about here, folks. We are talking about widespread violence, okay? An individual who takes it upon himself because he's a crazy person is a completely different thing. Uh, and there is no ideology really that preaches that. And if there were somebody who was preaching that, they are roundly and soundly condemned by the Christian evangelical movement and the Christian right. That is not the same thing as what's happening on the left in this nation. And the reason is because the Christian narrative, the Judeo-Christian narrative includes that all lives have value. Whereas the leftist narrative is you only have the value that you bring to the state. So if you are unborn, you have no value because you don't even have potential. (laughs) Strangely, they don't even believe in potential. And if you're older, then you're a drain. So you have negative value. So you're worth more dead than alive. In in other words, to the left, to the leftist state. All right. So this story, far left Portland mayor, Ted Wheeler, was asked why white supremacists share the blame with anarchists for the violence in his city and all the destruction. This story, by the way, off the blaze, got to give credit where credit's due. Um, He was asked this during a virtual news conference and he said, well, white supremacists share the blame with anarchists for the criminal behavior in the streets of Portland, even though all the lawlessness consistently points to Antifa and Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter militants. And this is the problem is the, the, the media is so hung up on this narrative that they further the narrative very quickly before the facts come in. And then, of course, they'll maybe redress readdress their facts and say, oh, that was actually wrong. It's actually this this kind of bad guy. Like it was a white supremacist in that that last shooting, except no, it wasn't. It was a Muslim immigrant and oopsie daisy, uh, you know, but the problem is that the first impression is always the strongest. And you have a number of people out there who never even saw sort of the resolution. Oh, yeah. And now basically in their minds, this is the crazy part is they now equate the Islamist terrorist with a right wing, which is completely wrong. It's, it's nonsensical. And yet here we are. So Alex Zelinsky, who's the news editor of the Portland Mercury asked the mayor Wheeler, why a news release announcing the news conference mentioned anarchists and white supremacists as a problem when only the far left militant criminal activity had been detailed during the news conference. And this is how they, and it's absurd, it's ridiculous, but this is how they get away with it. Wheeler began by saying he'd defer to the Portland police bureau for examples of recent white supremacist actions in the city. And by the way, there are none 
And by the way, just like my interview last week, there are none. Okay. And then he acknowledged the accuracy of the reporter's assessment while offering a response only a politician could give. We are in times of political extremes, he started. Uh, he said that they were discussing criminal destruction coming from the self-described anarchist left. Now, him saying self-described is him basically saying, we don't know, they might be, they might be right-wing posing as leftists. Because that happens all the time. Never mind that at the Capitol, we had leftists posing as right wing. Okay. Which is why I can say that the Capitol violence has been debunked. And I am going out on a very, very short limb there, but I feel very confident out there. Uh, Then the mayor dropped the bomb on white supremacists, just not white supremacists in Portland, apparently. He said, we also have to acknowledge that in the United States, the number one public safety threat, according to the FBI, is white nationalism. That's a lie that that the FBI has generated. That's how politicized the FBI has become. And that's frightening, folks. Frankly, that is quite frightening. Uh, Despite Antifa militants in Portland last year physically attacking law enforcement, destroying property, ganging up on regular citizens, bullying elderly women, setting fire to buildings, engaging in numerous forms of mayhem, including murder on a nightly basis. The Portland officials in October got, quote, anti-white supremacy training due to the, quote, threats, the alt-right and national and white nationalists, white nationalists apparently pose. That's the problem. They are so deluded by their false narrative. They are living in a fantasy land. Which is why I wrote my book, Words for Warriors, which I really ought to mention more often. I'm doing so many interviews with uh, Words for Warriors. And in fact, well, by the time this airs, I will have done the Rubin Report, which I'm very excited about. Um, It's a panel on education. And of course, Words for Warriors is all about education. Um, Although it doesn't specifically talk about education, it is engaged in the process of educating the reader because we have to acknowledge that they are hijacking our language. And if we allow that to happen fully, we are going to have a big problem. We're going to have a big, big problem. Uh, And we already do, frankly. They are, they're forcing us to lie with our words. And that's terrible. And it breaks the will. That's the big problem is if you're forced to live in a lie, it breaks your will after a time. All right. So that was Mayor Ted Wheeler. Let's see. What else do we have on the docket today? This is kind of fun. Uh, Okay. California Ethnic Studies Curriculum is accusing Christianity of theocide. This was an amazing article. It's off of City Journal. It's called Revenge of the Gods. California's proposed ethnic studies curriculum urges students to chant to the Aztec deity of human sacrifice. Oh, yeah. This is, this is going into our school classrooms. That's why if you are a, a responsible parent, you will not consign your children to government schooling. 
You just won't do it. I don't care what else you do. You don't have to homeschool. Don't teach them anything. They'll be better off. Rather than going in and hearing this drivel and being forced to do this, uh, what's the word? Mind-bending, altering uh, exercise. So this is coming up, by the way. The California Department of Education is voting on a new statewide ethnic studies curriculum that advocates for the decolonization of American society. And it elevates Aztec religious symbolism all in the service of a left-wing political ideology. So here's, a, here's part of it. Well, no, you know what? I'll, I'll continue reading, then we'll go back and analyze a little bit. Um, it's called the Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum. In theoretical terms, the new ethnic studies curriculum is based on the pedagogy of the oppressed. So pedagogy uh, of the oppressed refers to sort of the teaching of oppression. Um, It's based on Marxist theoretician Paolo Freire's work. He argued that students must be educated about their oppression in order to attain, quote, critical consciousness and consequently develop the capacity to overthrow their oppressors. So they need to be taught that they're oppressed in order to then overthrow their oppressors. And what if they're not oppressed? I suppose that doesn't matter. The idea is getting them to the overthrow part. This is indoctrination, pure and simple. It is seeking violence, seeking violence. It is violence seeking. And not only that, it's trying to teach people how miserable they are which is child abuse. It's an abuse. It instructs teachers to help students, quote, challenge racist, bigoted, discriminatory, imperialist slash colonial beliefs. Imperial slash colonial, imperialist slash colonial beliefs. It encourages them to critique white supremacy, racism, and other forms of power and oppression. This approach in turn, enables, in turn enables teachers to inspire their pupils to participate in social movements that struggle for social justice. They, they're looking for participation. They are recruiting your children in our schools to work against the system, to work against you in order to overthrow the system. Folks, it doesn't get more blatant than this. I don't know what we're waiting for. This is wrong. This needs to be stopped. And I dare say, I know California hasn't voted yet, but they will. And they probably will vote it through. If they don't vote it through, it'll just come back again and they'll vote it through next time. They're looking to, quote, build new possibilities for a post-racist, post-systemic racism society. Where is that? Do we have any examples of that? Because here's what's happening. And this is what the left always does. They never look at the consequences and the projections of what their actions are going to bring about. They never look at that. And that's the problem. So uh, he goes into the Frankfurt School. Our Toltelka, so Toltelka, Tolteca, Tolteca Quatin. Uh, was the original co-chair of the Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum. He wrote a book called Rethinking Ethnic Studies. And he wrote, or he argued in his book, 
that the United States was founded on a Eurocentric, white supremacist, racist, anti-Black, anti-Indigenous, capitalist, classist, patriarchal, sexist, misogynistic, heteropatriarchal, uh, homophobic, anthropocentric paradigm brought from Europe. A lot of hatred in there. I don't know. Can we get him on hate speech? The document claims that whites began grabbing the land, hatching hierarchies and developing for Europe slash whiteness, which created, quote, excess wealth that, quote, became the basis for the capitalist economy. Shame on him. There's no such thing as excess wealth. There's no such thing as excess wealth. That's a made up word. Ooh, that should go in my second edition. Whites established a hegemony that continues to the present day in which minorities are subjected to socialization, domestication, and zombification. Well, that actually is true. Oh, found common ground. We totally agree. Government should get out of the school system, the school business, the business of schooling. He claims that white Christians committed theocide against indigenous tribes, right? Because if you claim that your religion is superior to a different religion, that's theocide. Because he, his religion, no, 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 his religion's perfectly fine. It's your religion that's the bad religion here. How dare you? How dare you? I wish I had that. I, I should bring that up. I used to have that on um, autoplay, and I do. All right, let's see if this works. Well, I couldn't hear it. I wonder if you did. All right, we'll do that later. The ultimate goal is to decolonize American society and establish a new regime of counter-genocide and counter-hegemony, which will displace white Christian culture and lead to the regeneration of indigenous epistemic, epistemic and cultural futurity. And yeah, if you throw a bunch of, of big fat words at me, uh, then I will just give up and say, okay, it sounds like a good plan. Not. The idea is to overthrow the current system and have nothing else in place except kumbaya and good feelings. This is very, very dangerous. By the way, the Christian community is targeted because it's all your fault that we're here. And by the way, the only reason that they can actually accomplish this and, and carry and, and, and say the things that they want to say is because of the, the power and the freedom that they've been afforded by this culture that yes, was brought over by white Europeans and established by white European descent individuals who had Judeo-Christian ethics. What are your ethics? What are you trying to, to accomplish and how How are you going to do that? Overthrow the government? Bring in chaos and anarchy? Are you kidding me? So he throws a bunch of these hot button words at us, you know, loud, obnoxious, uh, long, you know, heavy words, but he doesn't have a plan. And so they continue with an ethnic studies community chant in Lach Ek affirmation, which appeals directly to Aztec gods. Now, mind you, these were the same people who had that great big, it's not a pyramid, I can't remember what it's called, 
but it looks sort of like a pyramid of stairs. And they conducted, was it 200,000 sacrifices? They literally had um, these high, quote unquote, high priests with machetes working around the clock, sacrificing people and letting their heads tumble down the stairs of that temple. And that's, by the way, that's what they're going to have these kids basically say a worship prayer to. Um, students first clap and chant to the god Tetzla, blah, 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 whom the Aztecs traditionally worshiped with human sacrifice and cannibalism, asking him for the power to be, quote, warriors for, quote, social justice. Next, the students chant to the gods, Quetzalcoatl, Hitzaputut, and the other ones, blah, 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 uh, seeking healing epistemologies and, quote, a revolutionary spirit. They are indoctrinating these children to be, to go into the streets and seek anarchy. That's what they're indoctrinating them to do. And we should not be sitting by idly while they do this. The one God in particular is the Aztec deity of war, inspired hundreds of thousands of human sacrifices during Aztec rule. That's what I was just talking about. Finally, the chant comes to a climax with a request for liberation, transformation, and decolonization, after which students shout, they shout this thing. I'm not going to shout it in pursuit of ultimate, quote, critical consciousness. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just pure blather, but it's, but it's dangerous blather. They're inspiring a dangerous philosophy and behavior in these young people who are the most impressionable. How dare they? Where do they come off? It is in a philosophical sense, he says, a revenge of the gods. Ain't that the truth? It presents education not as a means of achieving competency, but as a tool for transformation, social, economic, and political change and liberation. So Brett Stevens wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal. And he said this, a proposed curriculum magnifies differences, encourages tribal loyalties, and advances ideological groupthink. You know what? I'm going to break here and we'll come back to this in just a minute. Okay, so we were talking about this California ethnic studies curriculum that has accused Christianity of theocide, theocide, because the Christians came as missionaries and tried to convince people to follow the one true God, the Judeo-Christian God, the God of Abraham and Isaac. And Moses. And we talked about this, that, uh, that they are infiltrating our schools and trying to create warrior youth from impressionable young people. They're first teaching them that they've been oppressed, which is not true. And then they're teaching them to be angry about the oppression that they supposedly have suffered. And then they're teaching them to worship Aztec gods who were responsible for hundreds of thousands of human sacrifices. And then they're teaching them to seek revenge against the system that they live in, the same system that has afforded these people their opportunity to teach the youth these things. The left always eats its own. And so Brett Stevens has written uh, sort of a response to this. Um, 
and he calls it a proposed curriculum magnifies differences, encourages tribal loyalties, and advances ideological groupthink. And that's putting it mildly. But I did enjoy uh, uh, his the first part of what he wrote. He said, in a lengthy draft, otherwise rich with references to various forms of bigotry, there was no mention of bigotry toward Jews. There was, however, an endorsement of the boycott, divest, and sanction movement, the BDS movement, which essentially calls for the elimination of the Jewish state. You see, I told you, it's more serious than we, than we imagine because we don't imagine doing such nefarious work. You know, in Africa, we've seen that these warlords take very young boys and train them to be soldiers. They have no concern for the, the welfare of the young boys. They just want soldiers. And they know that if you get them young enough, you can train them and, and, they will, and they'll be completely indoctrinated. They'll be yours until death. And so they do that and they succeed at doing that. That's what we're seeing happen in our schools today. Is it that bad yet? No, it's not that bad yet, but this, this is ushering it in. This is why if you are at all a peace-loving person, you don't even have to be Judeo-Christian. If you just appreciate peace and prosperity, do not put your children in government schools. Do not do it. No. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. All right, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, he continued, Brett Stevens continued, there was also an approving mention of a Palestinian singer rapper, uh, singer rapping that Israelis, quote, use the press so they can manufacture, which is the old refrain that lying Jews control the media, which, boy, in this case, is uh, as far, I suppose, as you can get from the truth. So um, just beware. This thing is coming down the pike. It's in California. As California goes, so goes the nation. Wasn't that the old refrain? So I'm just saying, folks, this is, it's coming. Okay, final piece I want to get to for today. Uh, This is just a funny story that I just wanted to touch on because sometimes it's fun to inject a little humor. It's off the blaze. It happened, of course, in Florida my new home state. I think this is kind of funny um, and kind of sad. And so I was sort of, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? There was a gal who was heard, a good Samaritan overheard this woman screaming, basically screaming for her life. She was stuck in a storm drain. And she's a woman who'd been uh, missing for three weeks. The story is that she, um, she was swimming and then she saw like a uh, like a a tunnel basically it was a storm drain runoff and she just went in and uh, 43 years old she was just swimming in a canal but she she saw the storm drain or whatever she was curious so she went over there there was um there was a door so she walked through the door and then she walked down these you know the the sewer tunnels are like these great big um pipes but they're big and you can walk in them and so she was walking through and she got lost she couldn't find her way out. And so she ended up in this storm drain, but it's crazy. She was gone for three weeks. And then it turns out that she has a history of drug use. And um, sadly that, you know, she perhaps likely was high when she, when she's embarked on this. And although what a way to detox. Um, So they don't suspect foul play. 
And uh, she was brought to the hospital. She had non-life-threatening injuries. She was, of course, dehydrated. But the Delray Beach Fire Rescue spokesperson said, um, this is Danny Muskella, she was lucky. I don't know how much longer she would have been okay down there. The idea that somebody might be down there for any length of time is disturbing. It's dirty, dangerous, and there are snakes, rats, garbage, dirt, leaves, anything that's on the street that washes into a sewer. And it smells terrible. Um, from the police department standpoint, we don't believe there was any type of crime committed. It doesn't feel like she was taken against her will. It appears this was done by her own free will. And so that's when they reveal that she had a history of both mental illness and drug use. And so that is a problem. I'm just, we're, we're, we're glad that it all is well, that ends well, right? That she was rescued and recovered and they had to move the, the storm drain. They had to put a ladder down there like crazy. But can you imagine you're just walking along, minding your own business, and you hear shouting and stuff? I mean, that's, that's quite something. All right. Right before we go, I think I, I just have time for, uh, for one letter. So um, let's see. Not that one. Impossible to parody. Uh, so I talked about this last week, Dr. Seuss, cancel culture, and this idea that uh, that they are now claiming that Joe Biden is impossible to parody because he's just so good at being president and he's so presidential and he's got white hair. And uh, so you can't parody him, which, of course, is a lie. Again, the left is so good at lying. Liberal fascists. Impossible to parody. So somebody just wrote this to me is saying that the subject might really do or say anything a comedian might make up, um, that the subject wouldn't, I think, is what, what this person means. Leftists pretending that it means he's amazingly competent. Are, oh, sorry, he's correcting it. Impossible to parody is saying that the subject might really do or say anything that a comedian might make up. It's the opposite of what the leftists are pretending. They're saying he's so competent that you can't parody him, but in fact, they are parodying him. Parodying almost always is portraying someone as doing something silly to get people to laugh at them. Reasons not to laugh at Joe Biden. Alzheimer's is no joke. Elder abuse isn't funny. Mocking a person's disability is a way to earn a disability. It's as if we're on earth to learn cause and effect along with empathy and compassion. God's principle of us getting according to what we do is sometimes called. So I thought that was very clever that um, by them saying that he's impossible to parody, they're actually affirming what we all know, sadly. But because we are happy warriors, we will continue, right? And you will go get a copy of my book, Words for Warriors, and God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you like the new format. Uh, I'm, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we're going to try it for a little bit and see how it works out. And um, I'm excited. So um, thanks for joining me. This is the Sam Sorbo Show. Tell your friends. Help me grow my YouTube page, please. Subscribe and be sure to um, leave comments because I do read them and I appreciate them. If you want to email me, go to samsorbo.com. Also, make sure you sign up for the mailing list. You can do that at SorboFamilyFilmStudios.com, where it's automatic. Thanks so much. Take care.